Listener supported. WNYC Studios. So many white guys. So many. So many white guys. So white. How much whiteness? All over the place. God damn. Welcome to So Many What Guys from WNYC Studios. I'm your host, Phoebe Robertson. And with me today is my lovely co-host and the bangers to my mash, Joanna Salatarov. <laughs> Phoebe, are you okay? <laughs> Would you like a crumpet? <laughs> I have to get on this lift. <laughs> Do you want do you want some tea at my flat? This is like what I would do with my friends when I was ten. And this is what I do with my British boyfriend who is kind of like, Can you stop doing a horrific version of me to me? Totally. Like if he did that to me and was like, Listen, honey, uh-huh like I would be like, We're breaking up. <laughs> but I'm like, Let's listen to the Rolling Stones and then and then we'll go and get We'll go have some ale. We'll go around to the pub and we'll have some ale with some, some of your friends. And then we'll watch a little football. And he's like, my dick literally went limp. And I'm like, cheerio. Are there like cultural differences that have come up by being with a Brit? Colonialism. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I told him this the other day. I was like, sometimes you repeat back to me the things that I do. They sound stupid. But you know that, like, the British accent just puts that, like, judgy stink on it. Uh-huh. Where you're just kind of like, oh, am I a full-on ding-dong? Like, if I lived in freaking London, would everyone be like, this is the village idiot? <laughs> do you know what I mean? But, like, in New York, everyone like, this crazy works. I do love the idea of you being, like, the village idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, think you're great, obviously, but I do think you would look great in, like, a jester hat. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah, because I could pin it to my fro. I never wear hats. (laughs) You see how I turned that into a positive baby? I never wear hats. Let me give it a try. (laughs) If anybody can rock a jester hat, it's you, So wait, what else do you have going on right now? I am going to Portland to visit British Bake Off. Because he's giving up his apartment. Damn. He's going to be on the road basically for, for like the next three years. And so we're like packing up his stuff. You have to tell people what he does or they're going to think he's like in a circus caravan Yeah, he is in the circus. He's in Cirque du Soleil. Is that how you say it? Cirque du Soleil? <laughs> but isn't it Cirque du Soleil? Cirque du Soleil. That's how you're supposed to say yeah. it, right? This sounds like, doesn't it sound like it's actually like a girl group from the 90s? <laughs> Please welcome to the stage, Cirque de Soleil. And their song is, uh, what's the name of their, their hit single? Um, Flip It For You. Yes. Ever. Okay, so I 
loved in Vogue when I was little. And when you I was, did? I loved in Vogue. I was Aww. like obsessed. And when I was 10, I had a dream that in Vogue let me be in their band. Oh so it was like these four beautiful black women. And then it was me. And I was like an eight year old white girl, but I would wear like the same <laughs> matching outfit as them. <laughs> And I just got to be in their band, and I vividly, like, I still vividly remember waking up so happy from that dream and being like, I'm a part of something. That is so cute. And I love that you weren't like, I was dreaming of going on the road with Jewel. You were like, I'm a part of In Vogue. Totally. Yeah. And then I had to, like, put on my stirrup pants and go to school. <laughs> Joanna. Yeah. I really enjoy hanging out with you. Ah, uh, you too, Phoebes. But you know what? I got to put a pin in this conversation. Uh Uh-huh. Because we got some bills to pay. True. Hey, honey bunches of whatever. Welcome back from that commercial break. I love honey bunches of whatever. It's like the bare minimum of a term of endearment. <laughs> I definitely spoke to a she wrote for this epi. Whew. I did. I did. You know what? I can't even I can't even say her name. You have to say it. I can't even say it. Gail King. Joni Mitch. Gail, Gail motherfucking King. Co-host of CBS This Morning, Gail King. Freaking editor at large for O Magazine. Oh my god. Gail King has interviewed Barack and Michelle Obama, Serena Williams, Dave Chappelle. And now you're interviewing her. That's truly nuts. And I'm also kind of like, LOL, did it really happen? But I think it did. And you know what? I think now it's going to be Oprah and Gail and Phoebe. Ooh. And we are going to fucking Sandals Vacations <sighs> together. <laughs> going to drink drinks out of a fishbowl. <laughs> Each of you are going to get a single braid. (laughs) It's going to be cute, y'all. But for real, for real, Gail King is queen. I mean, she's crushing it. Like, she's juggling two full-time and very impressive jobs. And get this, Joanna. I did some research for this interview. And I read that she apparently wakes up at 3.22 a.m., Every morning, just to squeeze in her entire schedule. That's too early. (laughs) That is wild. Yeah, and you know what? It was really cool because she invited us on set to CBS Studios, which is, like, very rare for us to be allowed to do something like that for this show. She was an absolute angel to Joanna and I. So, you know what? Without further ado, here's my interview with... Gail King! Beep, 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 beep. What you want to talk about, baby Robinson? I want to talk about it all with you. I cannot believe I'm sitting here interviewing you. This is nuts. No, I can't believe because I watched all four episodes of Four Dope Queens. You watched all took, four episodes of Two yes, Dope Queens? I took notes of things You that took I liked. notes? Okay, let's hear. I took notes. Oh my gosh. This feels like a, per- them. a performance review. I love this. <laughs> do I still have my job in comedy? Yes, you do. <laughs> you had the little nerd alert things. Blurds, you yeah, call blurds. them. Yeah, We're blurds. We're little blurds. Am I a blurred? What is a blurred exactly? It's just like a black nerd. A black nerd, nerd I yeah. know. But what does that mean? 
I mean, you know, just kind of like, what do you geek out about? I was called kind of a nerd when I was in school. Right. You know, I grew up in Turkey as a kid from first grade to sixth grade. So, you know, there were no what black kids. What was that kids. like? Was that fun? Well, it was fun because yeah. you don't know any different. Yeah. You know, so when you're growing up, you're not thinking, oh, what a great experience I'm having. You yeah. don't think that's just how we live. But I do remember when I came back from Turkey to the States, I was called nerd. I was called, you're a little white girl. I was mm -hmm. called Oreo. I yeah. was called Aunt Sarah. You know, Oreo means, you know, you're black on the outside, white on the inside. Right. Yeah, I've gotten that too. Yep. I like Twinkies. And they said, what black people like Twinkies? I go, I like Twinkies. Yeah. I mean, so I've had all sorts of stuff like that. So how did your family end up there? Because my dad was an electronic engineer who worked for the government. Mm -hmm. And so this was in the 60s. So we were assigned to Ankara. And, you know, when you're a little kid, you just go with where they're going. Mm -hmm. As I've gotten older, people have said, a black man in the 60s, was your dad part of the CIA? I don't know. I was always told electronic engineer. I mean... I know people, people look at me like you're looking now, but I'm telling you, uh, you that's sure what I was an always brother? told. Well, now I'm starting to wonder about it. I am starting to wonder about yeah. it. My mom is no longer here, so I can't even ask her. And then people said, maybe your mom doesn't know. But I don't know. This is going to sound really weird. There was a room in our house that we were not allowed to go into. He was a spy. He was a and he was a ham operator. That was his hobby. Okay. So he'd be in there at all hours of the night going. We were told that was his hobby, and that we could not touch any of the equipment. So, you Gail. tell me, Phoebe. Gail, he was a spy. When he died, secrets. I was going through his stuff. Yeah. And I found a briefcase that had a, a pass to the White House. His name was Scott Emmett Scott King. And he went by E. Scott King. There was a pass for the something-something gate at the White House. But there was nobody I could ask about this. Okay, we got, I mean, we got to figure this out. <laughs> this is fascinating. I do think it's fascinating. Yeah. I do. I do, actually. Absolutely. Okay, so you moved? Yeah, so then I moved from Turkey to California. And that's where, you know, from seventh grade to high school, I went to uh, California. So I was a California girl. There's a group called the Beach Boys. Have you heard of them? Yes, I <laughs> So anyway, yeah. California Girls was a Beach Boys hit. Yes. And one of the lines was, wish they all could be California girls, all yeah. the beach girls, girls with the blonde hair. Yeah. And I remember saying to my mom, I want to be a California girl. Aww. And she, I want a blonde ponytail like Carol Colton. And she said, that can never happen. <laughs> but she's no longer here But because I can say, yeah, mom, it actually can happen. <laughs> I could pay for it. Did she, cause did you went to predominantly white schools? Yes, like, so, my whole life. Right. So how did your parents sort of like instill the black girl magic in you and not let you get caught up in like, oh, I'm not like these blonde girls. I so didn't have, a, you know what, Phoebe? Yeah. I didn't have black girl magic. I, I you didn't. You did it? No, I did not. As a matter of fact, I never wanted to be white. I, I, I won't yeah. go that far. But I was very aware that I was uh, a minority. Mm -hmm. Like when we were studying uh, Abraham Lincoln, a little white kid said to me, Wayne is his first name, said, you know, if it wasn't for Abraham Lincoln, you'd be my slave. And I remember <gasps> going home very upset with my mother saying, is that true? Is that oh. true? So I didn't have black girl magic, which was one of the reasons why, as my kids were growing up, they were also living in predominantly white communities. Mm -hmm. Once a year, number one, I made sure they had friends of all different races. That's mm -hmm. very important, I think. Mm -hmm. But once a year, I would have, you know, a black family's party where I would invite 
a lot of black families that I knew with like-minded kids to come over and swim and play tennis and hang out because I think it's important mm -hmm. to be able to interact with other kids. Yeah. I, so I was very, very conscious of that. But I didn't have black girl magic. So much so in Turkey, they're reading about Martin Luther King. Yeah. It was on the cover of Time magazine. And when you lived in Turkey, all white people just assume you knew all black people. So right. they would say, is your family friends with Bill Cosby? Have you ever met Sidney Poitier? Yeah. And Martin Luther King, and they said something about Martin Luther King. I go, oh, that's my Uncle Marty. I don't even know where it came from. I go, yes, that's my Uncle Marty. She goes, oh, my God, Martin Luther King is your uncle? I go, yes, that's my Uncle Marty. So I forget about parent-teacher conferences. Okay. And my dad comes in, and the teacher goes, it's such an honor to meet you, Mr. King, the work that your brother's doing. And he's like, Beauregard, that was his brother, <laughs> Uncle BT, and Uncle Jerome. Well, you know, Gail has told us about Martin and boy, did I get in trouble. Oh, my god! So, lesson learned. Lying children who are listening <laughs> is not a good thing. This is Gail King speaking. So I didn't have this sense of, yeah. you know, there were Ebony magazines. Yes, and Jet we're, magazines. We're all raised by Ebony. Yeah. Even in Turkey, we would get Ebony and Jet. But I, I wasn't thinking, you know, black girl magic, black pride. I, I was just me. Yeah. I was never a member of the Black Student Union even today, you know, the uh, National Association of Black Journalists. I've never been somebody that joins that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I think you are more effective just being yourself and being an example for everybody. Mm -hmm. But I'm very conscious of being black, of course, and very proud of that. But growing up, I didn't have this sense of I'm so proud that I'm black. I was just always just me. And now as you get older, you realize it's really very important and that people see people that look like you that are doing things. Yeah. And so you've been in your field for 40 years? Careful. No, no, no. I, I don't have any hangups about age. I really don't. Yeah. I got my first on-air job. I was maybe 19. I got hired in Kansas City. Yeah. So I was 23, 24. And now I'm 63. So I guess that is 40 years. Yeah. Okay. That so sounds so damn old. No. But I don't feel that though, Phoebe. I don't feel it. I remember when my mom turned 50 thinking, yeah. God, that's old. And now that I sit here at 63, I, honest to God, keep waiting for this adult feeling to kick in. Mm. You know, I used to think, okay, when you're in college and you get your first checkbook, I thought, ooh, that's grown up. When you get your first car note, ooh, that's grown up. Yeah. When you marry, that's certainly grown up. When you have a child, that's certainly grown up. You get divorced, that's grown up. You, you have a house note, that's grown up. And so I keep waiting, honestly, for this grown up feeling to kick in. Yeah. Because I still sit here at 63, and I don't, I'm still waiting for, I just have such a love of life and gratitude for being on the planet. I know I'm a grown-ass woman. I get it. Mm -hmm. But I still just so enjoy life so much. I keep waiting for this mature feeling to kick in. <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm It'll waiting come. And waiting. It'll come. When? I don't know. Maybe. I'm kind of hoping it don't ever come. <laughs> So I, I keep waiting. You don't see too many 63-year-olds talking about Taylor Swift, but I really do. I've been to her concert. Can't wait for Reputation Tour. I will be there. Wait, so you are a Taylor Swift stan. Love her. So where do you, so in the, the feud between her and Katy Perry, you're taking Tay-Tay's side. Well, I like Katy too. Yeah. So I like Katy Perry too. I'm not taking any side You're Switzerland, baby. I am, because I like them both. <laughs> yeah. Been to her concerts too. I like them both. Oh, cool. I like them both. Okay, so you, just to go back, so you've been doing this for a yeah, long time. Yeah, about 40 years, yeah. So how did you get into 
wanting to eventually be in front of the camera, even become a production assistant? What made you be like, oh, I think I want to work in TV? Well, you know, I was working in college. I went to University of Maryland and was working at a camera store, which was next to the TV station. And these muckety-mucks would come in there for the TV station. But I didn't know what anybody did. Mm -hmm. I I can't even say I was watching the news, really. One of them turned out to be a muckety-muck news director. And he said, you know, you have such a nice way about you and a really nice voice. Have you ever thought about TV news? No, actually, I haven't. Um, Well, we have an entry-level position. Would you be interested? And my response was, do I have to work weekends? As well, I'm surprised by the question, but no, you don't. I mean, he's actually handing me an opportunity, yeah. unbeknownst to me. And I'm like, do I have to work weekends? Because I don't <laughs> want to work weekends. I said, well, no, this this is a night shift. Would that meet your schedule? And he was clearly being sarcastic, but I didn't even notice that. Yeah. So I got this job in the newsroom, and there was a breaking news story. And Phoebe, I was fascinated by how quickly the people came to life and covering the news and getting the story out there and the people that I've seen on air and you meet them in person, you realize they are just regular people. Mm-hmm. You don't feel that, though, when you're watching them. So when I was watching all the people that I'd seen on the news, which I started watching after I got the job, I realized, oh, my God, this is so interesting. And that's how it became. You get a job, and you go from that job to that job yeah. to that job. But working in breaking news, like, I don't think I could ever work in news just because there's so many depressing stories out there. So how do you not take that home with you at night when you're reporting on, you know, a shooting? shooting Yeah. The thing that really brought me to my knees was that shooting in Newtown. When you think about those little children sitting in their chairs with their baby teeth, they were six years old, that somebody would come in and just slaughter those children that way. That really got to me. And I've since become friends with some of the families mm-hmm. and have been able to talk to them very, you know, candidly about it and what that means. But, you know, I also see that it's a responsibility. I think it's a responsibility. I think it's a privilege. And I don't, to be able to deliver the news, and I don't take it lightly. I mean, I was very disturbed by what's going on in the news. This unarmed black man in Sacramento. I know, that's horrific. Sacramento, they fired 20 rounds, Phoebe. 20 rounds. He's on a cell phone. On the cell phone. And they could, you know, please, listen, my ex was a cop. So I I have great affinity for cops. I like cops very much. Really? Yep, he was a cop. Okay. And so I have great affinity. But, you know, when you think about it, what's so disturbing to me is that Dylan Roof, who shot nine people in South Carolina, is alive. Yeah. Nicholas Cruz, who just did the, the shooting in Florida at the school, he's alive. Yeah. James Holmes in Colorado is alive. And so the police know that these guys are dangerous, and they are all alive. And you have these unarmed black men who end up dead over over what? And, you know, people will say, well, you know, somebody actually said this to me. Well, you know, the guy in Sacramento, he was breaking windshields. Okay, let's say that's true. I don't know if that's true, but let's let's say that's true. You don't lose your life That is not a death sentence because you were breaking some windshields. Yeah. And it just, it so bothers me. I don't know if it bothers me because I'm a woman of color. Yes, that's part of it. Mm -hmm. Or because I have a son. And I just think, you know, there for the grace of God go I on these these random things that, that should not happen. I think a lot of times people just are so quick to reach for the gun. Yes, and because they're afraid, Phoebe. That, yeah, but, and that, so I read Chris Hayes' book, uh, Colony yeah. Within a Nation. Yeah. And it, it was really fascinating to talk about how, like, the police training is, in a lot of ways, it is built upon, like, sort of instilling that sort of fear where you're just kind of like, I don't know if is this 
when I'm going to lose my life today. And so not to make excuses for anything, but I think there is, there's a lot of layers to it, but you were married to a cop. So I don't know if you feel like there are any sort of maybe people, misunderstandings that people have about cops at all. Or do you think that like the way that people reacted to them now is. I don't know if it's a misunderstanding about cops because Mm -hmm. I do. I really do love cops. I'm Mm -hmm. divorced from him now, however. Yes. Yes. He was a very shitty husband, very good police officer. But anyway, this is what I think is a misunderstanding. I think it's a misunderstanding about black men. Absolutely. That's what I think is a misunderstanding. It's a a misunderstanding about black men and how when Will, favorite son Will, who's now 30, when he was 10, 11, 12, we lived in Greenwich, Connecticut, which Mm -hmm. is a very affluent neighborhood in Connecticut, and a predominantly white community. And, we, and I had to have the talk with him that all black parents I know have had, the mm-hmm. conversation, the talk, whatever you call it, that you know, if you're out with your friends, Patrick and Kyle, you know, and you're stopped by police, always just do exactly what they say because mm-hmm. Patrick and Kyle will be given the benefit of the doubt you will not. Yeah. And you just can never lose sight of that. And here we are in 2018, parents of young black men, black boys, are still having that conversation. And it's because they're afraid. You know, there's so much stuff in the media. Yeah. Many of it not flattering, but you just can't judge. You cannot judge that way. And I just want police to be better trained. And I'm, yes. you know, listen, if I'm in trouble, the first thing I'm going to call is a cop. Right. Which is what happens in black communities, too. You you call a cop in most cases. We just have to rethink it. But every time one of those stories happens on the news, it just makes me so sad. Yeah. It's also, you know, not seeing the humanity in black men yes, and women. Yeah. So it's easier to shoot. Because yes. you're like, oh, this isn't a person. This is a monster. Yes. This is a, yes. a beast or this whatever. Is a, this is a thug. Exactly. This is a hoodlum. This is, you don't think of them as humans, somebody's child, somebody's son, somebody's brother, who has dreams and aspirations just like you. Yeah. So we we have a lot of work to do on that. Yeah. Even when there's no news, no breaking news, there still are things that people need to know about and need to be educated about. And and I take great pride that, you know, I'm one of the people people come to to find out what that is. I don't take it lightly. Yeah. And I love this job. Yeah. I love this job still. Yeah. Is there anything about it that you're kind of like, because I think definitely from when I grew up, you kind of like, there was Peter Jennings and it yes. was very much like news was like at 6.30, yes. it was at 10. It was all and, white and 11. men. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now it's like 24 hours, but yes. it's much more diverse. Mm-hmm. And so how do you feel that the news landscape has sort of changed for the better or the worst? And like, where, wh- how do you see yourself fitting in with well, the landscape? Well, it is more diverse for mm-hmm. sure. And I think that's a good thing. As mm-hmm. I sit here, cinnamon brown with a dollop of caramel. Oh! Cinnamon brown with a dollop of caramel. That's how I see myself. Um, <laughs> but I mean, the news has changed in that it's no longer you get it at the time. You can get it 24-7. Mm-hmm. And I think that's good and I think that's bad. And I I, I think that people, you know, it, it's so polarized now. You know, you look at Fox, you get one side of the story. Mm-hmm. You look at MSNBC, you get another side of the story. And I think that's why you have to really broaden your news choices and your news selections. Because if you stay in that bubble of, of certain newscasts, you will really only get one point of view. And I don't think that that's good. Yeah. I do think I do think the beauty of CBS, if I could say that, is that I do think that we work very hard to tell both sides of the story to show that. And we try to stay right down the middle. And that's sometimes difficult for me not to express an opinion because mm-hmm. I certainly have one. But that's not my job. People don't watch the show because they want to hear my opinion. 
But I think it's important that people make informed choices about mm-hmm. what they're watching and don't put yourself in a little silo. That's very dangerous. Yeah. And that's part of the problem of what's happening in this country now, why we are so polarized. Has there ever been a moment when you've been reporting news where you wish you could just really say what Gail yes. really thinks? I you wish know there I mean? was like, a thought bubble. Yeah, because you, sometimes you do, you yes. do, you do want to be objective. sometimes it's so ridiculous, the stuff yes. that, and we just go, oh, yeah, 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 yes. Are there ever times? Yes. And a couple yeah. times when um, management has felt I've crossed the line, they will I will get a slap like a bad girl. Oh. Can you tell us like one of the times that they felt mm. like, hey, you maybe shouldn't express your opinion there, mm, but you That did. just happened to me today talking about um, the, uh, Karen McDougal and Stormy. Yeah. Because, you know, they keep saying they want to tell their side of the story. And I'm like, what is their side of the story? Yeah. <laughs> they boinked the president of the United States before he was a president yeah. in 2006. Yeah. And now we want to hear their side of the story. And they had, you know, listen, it's riveting. I was sitting there with my popcorn watching. <laughs> but here's Karen McDougal saying if she could see Melania, she would want to say sorry. Melania don't want to hear you're sorry. Yeah. I said, yeah. you know, she says she wants to say sorry. I think Melania wishes she would stop talking. And I and I said, I feel for her because now this is a public story that now everybody knows. Yeah, you could send a, a, a letter. Yes, yes. If you're really sorry, you, do yeah, it privately. Yeah. yeah. And so they said, you know, Gail, we've got to, you've got to figure out a way to <laughs> report these stories without offering personal opinion. But I think with a story like that, it's so that's what it's I, such a distraction. It's so what such I a thought, circus, baby. you know. That's what I thought. Yeah. And I said later when we got off the air, I go, that was not personal opinion. That was that was musings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love so, your musings, yeah. <laughs> so I tell you, it's going to be very difficult because uh, coming up is the Stormy Daniels interview Oof. with Anderson Cooper on 60 Minutes. Yeah. And the next day, the attorney is going to be on. And I'm not supposed <sighs> to have a personal opinion about what we're, whatever it is we're about to hear. Yeah, I know. Pray for me, Phoebe. It's yeah. going to be difficult. <laughs> but I like Stormy Daniels' Jesus. attorney. Yeah, I always pray to sweet black baby Jesus. Black baby Jesus. This is what I did after the Austin bombing. Please don't let the suspect be black or an oh, immigrant. Yes. I pray to sweet black baby Jesus, please don't let him be black or an immigrant. Why do I feel I have to take that on? When a white person does something, white people in the room, do you feel, I hope he's not white? No. No. <laughs> they they go and get a suit from Hale and Hardy and keep it moving. They're not concerned one but, bit. But if I hear it's a black person, I'm like, oh, Lord, please don't let it be a black person. I'm like, this is going to be an awkward oh, February. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Or an immigrant. <laughs> So, yes, I do have those moments. Okay. You, you live fairly close to work, seven minutes. Yeah. And I read that you get up at, at 322. 322. Yes. First of all, that time is nuts. It is nuts, but I Why start not watching the news. 322? Because I timed it for a segment that comes on the news that I want to see. And then okay. the car picks me up. I bathe. You know, right. I want to have a handle Wait, about you, what's happening. The car picks you're me up at 430. Person? Yes, for sure. I I'm hate a shower. Showers. No. No, baths are disgusting, Gail. You are Breaking dead news. Wrong. You are clearly, marinating in clearly, your filth. Well, clearly you don't use bubble bath. <laughs> because if you use bubble bath, Phoebe, you would not say that. You would not say that. And I have to say, because I bathe every day, I'd like to think, I don't know what's going on at your house, 
But because I bathe every day, I'd like to think I'm not that dirty. No, that Gail, I'm marinating you're... in my own whatever the hell you just said. What did you say I was marinating in? Your own filth. No, take it back. Okay, so but you got a busy sketch. Mm-hmm. You have time for dating you do too. I would. You know, I have random dates here and there, but I would really like to meet somebody that you go, I like you. Yeah. People make time for what they want to make time That's for. That's true. So if I say I'm busy or my schedule's you don't so like, crazy, you don't like them. well, then it means I'm not really interested in pursuing it. Right. Well, what's I your what's that. your type? I know you say you're married to a cop. Do you yeah. want an authoritarian person? Um, I want someone who is who's funny. Great. I really like intelligence. I'm very attracted to somebody who um, is smart and who you can take anywhere, Phoebe, mm, whether it's mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. Uh, backyard barbecue mm-hmm. or the White House. Yeah. Since I've been there a couple of times. So you want somebody who can travel in all circles. Yeah. Who's not intimidated. Uh, I'm 5'10, so this is a shallow part of me, but I do like taller than me. I do like taller okay. than me. I get that. Um, but would you be open to someone who's like five nine? Oh God, I hate I hate that question. <laughs> but uh, you'll be proud of me because I am evolving. Okay, but he should be employed. Oh, for sure, he should be employed. Having a job and having your teeth is a good thing too. <laughs> I'm not knocking people with no teeth, but my preference is to have your teeth. You gotta have all your teeth. Can't do it. What do you think is? The biggest lesson you learned from being married that you would then take into, that you've taken um, into your life as a single person also that you would carry into your life when you get That marriage up. really is hard, even mm-hmm. when you're in love and even, mm-hmm. you know, it just, it, it's just the day to day is hard. Yeah. And I think that you have to be open to, and I know about compromising, I know about all of that, but I'm now at a stage where you want to meet somebody where I don't want to have to feel I have to work so hard. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I want us both to have had a, enough life experiences that we know what works and what doesn't. I don't want to have to go through growing pains of mm-hmm. trying to help somebody get on their feet or go through you know trauma that they're going through. I want somebody that comes pretty much fully whole mm-hmm. and, and that, that can engage. Yeah. Do you think that... Because you're so successful, you're so accomplished, and you're really just on top of it, that that is intimidating to... Well, people tell me that, Phoebe, but I don't get that. I mean, I just think if you are confident and secure about yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't think that I'm some drop-dead beauty person. I don't think that. But I do think that I have a nice personality. I think I'm a kind person. I think I'm a giving person. And I think I bring a lot to a relationship with somebody that you really care about. Mm -hmm. But I have been told many times that you're very intimidating. Mm. You know, Oprah said to me once, look at the bag you're carrying. I go, what's wrong with my bag? (laughs) She goes, look at your shoes. What's wrong with my shoes? Look at that coat you're wearing. What's wrong with that? She goes, I rest my case. You can't even look at it and say, oh, this could be intimidating. (laughs) Well, then maybe he's not for me then. Is Oprah trying to help set you up with anybody? Um, Get all this Oprah. Everybody's always trying to set me up. Everybody is. Okay. So I want to talk to you about something that I'm kind of like scared about. What? Motherhood. You are? I don't I don't know if I want to do it. Are you pregnant? No, no, no. I was going to get so excited about that. No, no. I'm scared to do it. I don't know. Because you're scared of being someone's mother. You're scared of the physical delivery. You're scared... 
What are you everything, scared about? Your life as you know it completely changes forever and it never comes back no, to that. No, it doesn't. But to me, though, Phoebe, it only gets better. Um, but I was a kid from the time I was in seventh grade. Mm -hmm. I knew I wanted kids. I knew. Really? I, I knew that. I was the oldest of four girls. Okay. So my fantasy was I would have a boy first because I always wanted an older brother. So in my mind, I was going to have a boy first. And mm -hmm. then two years later, I was going to have twins, Rusty and Dusty. They would have long, Wait, pretty hair. Rusty and Dusty. Yes, that was their placeholder names. <laughs> okay. Rusty and Dusty, they'd have long braids that I would yeah. brush a hundred times. Because when you're reading books, how it says brush hair, mm -hmm. you know. But I didn't know it was like this. Yeah. You know, a little black girl's like, you yeah. know, going through. Lots of stops so, and starts. Yeah, lots of stops and starts, <laughs> right. Where is my ultra sheen? Um, and this is funny. Once I, I met a woman, she was 50, 51, and... She had never been married and had no kids. And I called Oprah and I said, Oprah, oh, my God, I just met this girl. She's 51. She's never been married. She has no kids. And there's dead silence on the phone. She goes, and? And I said, oh, I forgot. You're 50-something. You're 55. You've never been married. You have no kids. I forgot. Because <laughs> she goes, there's just an and. But I'm hoping, Phoebe, you will change, though. I think you're too young to take this position. I'm, I'm almost 34. Again, I think you're too young to take this really? position. I do. And you're in a position that, you know, I— that you can have people to help you. Gail, I have podcast money, so I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't hire help yet. <laughs> I don't think you have to be super rich. I mean, Will, favorite son Will said to me when he was little, maybe six or seven, and, you know, Oprah's always made more money than I and always been a big disparity between our salaries. Mm -hmm. So as he got older, he said to me, I really like the life that we have where you're slightly rich and slightly famous <laughs> because you can move through the world. Because with Oprah, he would say, being yeah. with Auntie O is like a parade mm -hmm. where there's always somebody. Mm -hmm. So I really do like where I am in terms of I, I really can move in the world. Yeah. And not feel that it's a parade or everybody wants something. Yeah. So I try to stay. So I say to you, slightly rich and slightly famous is good. Okay. That's my new goal. Isn't that good? The goal for 2019. Slightly rich. I give myself a year to get there. <laughs> um, okay. So we, we we have to get out of here. But I, you're such an inspiration and you're so accomplished. So do you have like, any advice for how we can move through the world with some sort of grace still and some sort of intelligence and compassion for other people. You know, it is so polarizing that it really is up to us, a, a sea of humanity, to make things right. And I, I never, ever lose sight of that. And so I just, I really try to try to be a good person, try to do the right thing. And surround yourself, Phoebe, with people who you know care about you. Mm -hmm. I want no toxicity in my life. You know, and there are a whole lot of haters in the world. And I just don't want anything to do with anybody that doesn't bring me joy or doesn't want to lift me up. And I want to be that for someone else. Yeah, It's so much easier to take the high road. It's less crowded. <laughs> less crowded up there. Okay, so everybody take the high road. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so it's really just your ride is truly just beginning. I just hope you take time to enjoy it. Well, but are you having fun doing what you're doing? I am. I really Dora. do enjoy it. I like talking to people and like really getting a chance to hear their story and like hearing that you like grew up in Turkey is like really mm -hmm. cool and fascinating. Like, Who have you done on your podcast that you really were surprised or that you really liked, that you didn't know much about them before, but then you talked to them or someone you were really looking forward to talking to? 
You know, when I interviewed St. Vincent, oh. I didn't realize how funny she was. Is she? She's funny. Is she? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. We've taken a turn. <laughs> I don't see funny with St. Vincent. Well, yeah, okay. because you just go, it's like, it's like moody music, and then we were talking. and It's she very was, moody. I saw yeah. her at, 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 I think it might have been Google Camp, or Amazon, Amazon, Amazon yeah. Camp in Santa Barbara. Yeah. She's singing a song. I don't remember the exact words, but mm-hmm. it was something like, I want to get fucked. I want to get fucked. <laughs> Will he fuck me? Where is he? It's New Year's Eve. That was my first introduction. Well, and wait, she one. sang that song at the Amazon camp? Yep. I want to get fucked. <laughs> it was something like that. Where is he? New Year's Eve. I'm alone. How is he going to fuck me? It was something like that. I remember... I wasn't clutching my pearls. Right. And I'm looking around and everybody's like, you know, they're nodding, they're enjoying it. And clearly they were very familiar. So I it's something like that. I'm not quoting it exactly. Okay, let's let's get Do you a know the song? Political fact check on this. Yeah, get the song. And she's playing her guitar. And I'm like, okay. So do you like her music? Uh, yeah, I love her music. I think she's great. I would like you to send me. Two St. Vincent songs that you really like. Great. So I can figure out, so I can see possibly what you see. Yeah. Okay. okay. Done. I love homework. So please send me something that you think is really great. I will. Okay. Thanks, Gail. I want to get fucked. Somebody fuck me. That's the St. Vincent song. That's not me speaking. <laughs> okay. Got to run, peeps. <laughs> Have fun at O Magazine. On that note. <laughs> Because I'm a classy girl. (laughs) So hanging out with Gail is kind of like hanging out with an oracle who tells you only good things. If she had a cult, I would join. Ooh. Yeah, I think her cult is like body con shift dresses. Those aren't super flattering for my shape, so I might need to reconsider. All right, well, while we figure out what kind of cult that we can both join that Gail will run, I want to let you guys know this. The episode ain't over, bitches. <laughs> Listen, friends and, and, and comrades and citizens and uh, Romans. Serfs, plebeians. <laughs> Anyway, guys, please understand this episode is not over, so don't take off your headphones or get out of your car because right now it's time for my favorite segment, this radio sweet treat from Alana Glazer and me called Small Acts of Resistance. Resist the system. Resist the man. Resist the dominant discourse imposed upon us by the establishment. Okay, so you know what? We're all on Instagram. We're all on Twitter. We're all on Facebook. I follow a lot of celebrities. I follow a lot of like fitness girl accounts. And there's a lot of like everyone being so focused like on their looks. And I'm guilty of it too, you know, with the selfies and all that. And then, you know, I go to Oprah's page. She posts so many pictures of produce. Ugh. 
that I, first of all, I'm like, I didn't know carrots could look like this. I know. Yeah. Like her eggplants are like the size of like a smart food bag of popcorn. And it really is like her babies, the way that yeah. she holds them. And then like the cute wicker baskets and, you know, she's oh. wearing like gardening clogs, probably. Like it's cool. Honestly, her greens, her like kale and spinach, I can't believe Oh, my God. I, like, have to, like, pull it up right now. It's so good. It makes me it, so happy. And, like... Oh, my God. Look at this picture. Oh, my God. Look L- at her sun oh, hat. Ow. Her ah! sun hat. I mean, this basket is huge. I, she must have a huge garden. This makes me so Fuck. happy. Just picked. Wishing all kinds of bountiful harvests to you all. Oh, my Harvest God. day. Damn. She responded back to someone, of course we rinse and separate before bringing to house. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, incredible. (sighs) Thank you, Oprah. Take pics of your produce, y'all. Yeah. Have a relationship with your food and then share it online. Yeah. Let us know. (laughs) Like, tweet it at us if it's also funny. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that's your small act of resistance for the week, guys. Just care about your food in an emotional way. Done. The So Many White Guys team includes me, Phoebe Robinson, Rachel Neal, Janice Altaroff, Jenny Lawton, Paula Schumann, Jeremy Bloom, Matt Boynton, and Joe Cord. Our theme song was written by a white dude and sung by a bunch of other white dudes. Check out photos of me and Gail King from our interview on the WNYC Studios Facebook page. You can also follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dope Queen Phoebs. Dude, people in Rome listen to this, right? What is the, um, <laughs> my Kingsman? I was straight up about to uh, quote Richard Third and be like, my horse, my horse, my kingdom for a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Why isn't that the name of the podcast? <laughs> <laughs>